Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. This is an amazing gospel. It talks about the love of God. It talks about the divinity of Christ. It talks about His sacrificial work on our behalf. It is a heartwarming, very personal gospel because it was humanly written by somebody who knew Jesus possibly better than anyone else, and that is John, the beloved disciple. One of the inner circle of disciples, as well as one of the twelve, the one that took Mary, the mother of Jesus, into his home, the one that was called the disciple whom Jesus loved. It was probably John who laid on Jesus' chest and said, Lord, who is it who will betray you? And so we have this priceless gospel of John that we are learning day after day. And so as we begin chapter 5, it is ultimately about what I call the five witnesses. The five witnesses are the five sources that, that are credible, that are authoritative, that affirm that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of David, the Christ. He is also the Son of God. And because he is both Son of David, Son of God, he is the perfect Savior for our sins. And indeed, that's why he came the first time, to take away our sins. So chapter 5 is about the five witnesses, but we'll learn about them near the end of the chapter. In this particular lesson, we're learning of the third sign that Jesus did, and this sign did not happen in Cana of Galilee. It would occur in the city of Jerusalem. So the third sign is the healing at the pool of Bethesda, found in Gospel of John, chapter 5, verses 1 to 16. As we often do, let's take a look at a couple of verses, do an overview, and then continue our verse-by-verse commentary. So there was a lame man at the pool of Bethesda, and he'd been there for 38 years. Verse 6, when Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had now been a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no one, when the water is troubled, to put me into the pool, but while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. Well, guess what? This man didn't need anyone to put him into the water. He didn't have to wait for an angel to stir up the water and perhaps release curative powers. All he needed to do was hear and obey the words of Jesus. Or another way to put it, hear and believe and obey the words of Jesus. That's all it took to bring him from a condition of complete paralysis to being able to walk again, even though he hadn't done so properly in 38 years. That's even longer than what Jesus had been alive, humanly speaking. So all this has to do with the time of a feast. Although the feast is not mentioned, we think it is Passover. And then the Pool of Bethesda itself, which is just north of the temple compound. It was by the Sheep Gate, and we'll learn about that. 
and then about the Pool of Bethesda where you had the sick people waiting there, hoping to get healed, hoping the angel would come down, stir up the water, and the like. And this particular man, because of his type of illness, was never able to get into the water in good time. But Jesus asked the question, do you want to get well? Then believe and receive. As it turned out, this was a Sabbath day healing, and Jesus would be accused of Sabbath breaking. And so Jesus meets the man, tells him to sin no more, and after that, he's on a collision course with the religious elite. Let's now look at the entire portion from John chapter 5, verses 1 to 16. Our lesson is called Sign 3, Healing at the Pool of Bethesda. And the reference once more, John 5, verses 1 to 16. This is God's word. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem, by the sheep market, a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there, which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie, and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no one when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. While I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, and took up his bed, and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said unto him that was cured, It is the Sabbath day. It is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. He answered them, He that made me whole, the same said unto me, Take up thy bed, and walk. Then asked they him, What man is that which said unto thee, Take up thy bed, and walk? And he that was healed wist not who it was, for Jesus had conveyed himself away, a multitude being in that place. Afterward, Jesus findeth him in the temple, and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come unto thee. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus which had made him whole. And therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. A reading is from John chapter 5, verses 1 to 16. And our lesson is called Sign 3, Healing at the Pool of Bethesda. Well, this is a meaty portion and rather bizarre in some ways. You would think there'd be a universal, shall we say, response of joy that a lame man that had been healed after 38 years of infirmity. But no, it was a mixed response, as would be the case when Jesus did a miracle in Jerusalem. 
He does this miracle in John 5. He does, of course, the healing of the blind man in John 9 at the pool of Siloam. And he raises Lazarus from the dead at nearby Bethany. And in every one of those cases, instead of a universally positive response, there is a divergent response. Some are rejoicing while others are plotting against Jesus. Well, let's take this verse by verse. The feast. For reasons that are unclear, John speaks of a certain feast without stipulating which feast it was. Now, if it happened to be the Passover, then there were four Passovers mentioned in the Gospel, thus making Jesus' ministry over a period of three years. If it was some other feast besides Passover, then just as a point of interest, his ministry time could have been as little as 18 months. In any case, like every other pious Jew, Jesus, quote-unquote, went up to Jerusalem during the feast. Why did he go up? Because it was impossible to go down to Jerusalem, and it was impossible to go up out of the city. In, fact, in other words, going to Jerusalem is an ascent, both geographically and spiritually, because it's the holy city where the temple of God was located. Then, of course, we learn about the pool of Bethesda in John 5, verse 2. It is by the sheep market. Bethesda either means house of mercy or even flowing water. Since it was by the north gate of the Temple Mount, the sheep gate is where the flocks entered into the city. Possibly they were washed in one part of the pool before being led to the altar of sacrifice at Herod's temple. There were five porches at Bethesda, and archaeology confirms this. You can visit the site today. It's close to the Via Dolorosa in the old city of Jerusalem. And there is a beautiful crusader church at the Pool of Bethesda called St. Anne's. And if you bring in the choir and sing a cappella, you will hear the most amazing sounds coming at St. Anne's. That's one of the things we do on tour is visit St. Anne's and sing together. Now we're going to have a clinic in John 5, verse 3. At the porch were the sick people. They were blind, lame, paralyzed. And apparently, according to the text, they were waiting for the waters to move. Because it tells us in verse 4 that the angel went down at certain seasons and stirred the water. It was understood that whoever got into the water first after it was stirred was healed from whatever disease whereby they were afflicted. All right, so it almost was like a contest or a race, waiting patiently for the stirring of the waters and then racing down to get in. Well, of course, we now have the center of attention, this what is called certain man. He is unnamed, but he has been sick for 38 years, and he's there at the Pool of Bethesda. That is a very long time. Jesus wasn't even, he was just a little over 30 years old himself when he met this man. So the man was, of course, much older than Jesus. Now the big question is asked of the Lord to this certain man. Jesus, first of all, before he asked the question, he looks at him and he discerns rightly that this man had been in the condition for a long time. 
So then comes Jesus' question. Do you want to become well? The man doesn't say yes or no, but he basically gives an excuse. In John 5, verse 7, the man gives this response. It is in the natural. He says, I have no one to help me. When the water is stirred, then I don't have any way to get into that water before everyone else. Always someone beats me to the pool every single time. Thus, I'm still waiting for my healing. So basically, this man is keeping his eyes on other men. And because he's trusting in men, or looking to people, I should say, to get him into the water, that's why his situation appears to be hopeless. Well, whenever Jesus is in the picture, the situation can never be hopeless. On the contrary, when Jesus Christ is in the picture, it is a cause for great hope. And Jesus causes great hope because Jesus is the future, as well as the past and the present. So, verse 8, Jesus cuts through the excuses with a very simple command to the lame man. Rise, take up your bed, and walk. Hey, he did not need anyone to put him into the water. In fact, he didn't even need water full stop. What he needed was to obey in faith the words of Jesus. As we have learned so many times, when you hear and do the words of Jesus, you are building your lives on the rock. Verse 9. Apparently, the man did obey. He was made immediately and completely whole from his disease. Praise God for that. So he took up his mat. It says take up your bed, but it's really a rolling mat. And he walked out of the pool region. In verse 10, though, trouble was brewing. The observant Jewish leadership, and this is the term we should keep in mind when we read the phrase, the Jews, here in the Gospel of John, because remember, John himself was Jewish. Jesus was Jewish. The apostles were Jewish. The early church was Jewish. When it comes to this term, the Jews, let's see it as either Judeans or Jewish religious establishment elite, rather than all Jews in general. So anyway, the observant Jews were scandalized that this healed man was breaking the Sabbath. Now, that was according to their interpretation and not necessarily according to the will of God. They told him it was unlawful for him to carry his mat on the Sabbath day. So instead of being impressed that God chose to heal this long crippled man, all they worried about is Sabbath keeping and violations. Yet Jesus says that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath, and that the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath day. So The man was asked, who is this that healed you? Or why are you carrying this mat in verse 11? And he said, the healer told me to take up my bed and walk. So he's only doing what he was told. Who is this man who healed you? In verses 12 and 13 of John 5, his interrogators wanted to know the identity of the healer. But the former lame man didn't have a clue because Jesus did not stay around because the multitude was gathering. While they knew something was brewing, a miracle was happening, and they didn't want to miss out on the action. Jesus didn't need a crowd at that time, 
So he basically cleared off. He needed space, which was something very hard to get in the crowded city of Jerusalem. But in verse 14 of John 5, Jesus walks again into the temple and into the life of this lame man. And he says to the healed man, now that you are whole, stop sinning unless something worse happens to you. Well, sin is not always the explanation for sickness, like in John 9, verse 3, there is often a link between sin and sickness. The one who can forgive us our sins is the one who can heal our diseases. But in verse 15, in a bizarre twist, the man went and told the Jews, or the Jewish leadership, that it was Jesus who made him whole. Why did he do it? Either he was naive, intimidated, ungrateful, or he just wanted to ingratiate himself to the leadership, or maybe it was all of the above. So whatever the case may be, they now knew it was Jesus that healed the lame man. And our last verse, verse 16 of John 5, speaks of this. From their point of view of the Judean or Jewish leadership, they began to persecute Jesus and wanted to kill him. Why? Because he healed on the Sabbath day. This hard-hearted response became frighteningly normal in Jerusalem. For example, in chapter 12, the same leadership not only wanted to kill Jesus, but they wanted to kill Lazarus because Lazarus had the audacity to rise from the dead, and it basically took the limelight off them. We call this murderous jealousy. So our lesson is called Sign 3, Healing at the Pool of Bethesda. And our lesson for life is this. In the face of the power of God, some people become better while others become bitter. taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.